Good. Wrong button. Bruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachim Aboyim Hashem. Welcome to our weekly, we mean weekly Wednesday night shir. This shir is the Ilanishmas on the outside today, Vashavachana. The Shabbos, the Shabbos Vayera, not to be confused with Vayera. Vayera Lavroham, the famous, famous story of Avram Avinu, 99 years old. Acquiesced to do a mila on himself. He spoke last week. And here on the third day after his brismila, the Almighty is concerned with his well being, with his health. And the sun is removed from its shade, the shade that's cover the sun until the days of Mashiach but the shade is removed at this point so that no passerbys would be walking, wandering near Avram's tent so that Avram would not be disturbed how lovely how generally considerate of God to make sure there's no passerbys But <laughs> the bottom line he didn't want to disturb Avram who was a tremendous, tremendous machlis Eirech, was a person that always welcomed guests in his house had a tent open from four sides so that nobody should have to have a problem of getting into his tent so that people could come into his tent whenever they wanted and that the passerbys in the desert mm-hmm. sorry, should not have to delay even a moment until they were given food or drink. Such was the life of Avram Avinu. A trivial, trivial problem comes about. And the trivial problem is that when when the Almighty sees as he's standing and visiting with Avram Avinu and the Almighty sees the pain that Avram is suffering not so much from his brismila, not so much from the circumcision, but from the fact that he does not have any guests. There are no passerbys. He has no guests. He was suffering from this. So for this, the Almighty presents him with three guests. And the three guests... 
As Avram sees them in the distance, Avram deems a very, very important halacha. And that halacha is that that Achnasa Serchim, welcoming of guests, is a greater mitzvah, has greater magnitude than accepting the Shekhinah, than welcoming the Shekhinah. And he proves it physically. He lifts himself, he tears himself away from the visitor that he has as the Almighty came to visit him, which we'll discuss soon. What was the purpose of the visit? And he goes to welcome the guests. We know, of course, that the sun was out baking, the heat was unbearable. There were no people walking around. And therefore these three guests that Avram came to greet were angels. So honestly speaking, I don't know if you've ever been to an angel's restaurant, there's nothing on the menu. An angel doesn't eat or drink. They, according if you keep your score at home, the Gemara Baba Mutsiya, Pevav Amit Beis, 86, side 2, tells us, They made it look as if they were eating. But they didn't eat. They don't eat. So in that case, why did the Almighty bring a, uh, perform such a miracle? By bringing these angels... Avram did not complete any mitzvah. And not only that, how awkward is it that he literally leaves the Almighty for this non-mitzvah. So truth to be told, the lesson remains. The lesson remains that Achnasas Erechim is greater than a Kabbalah's Bnei Welcoming guests is greater than welcoming the Shechina, welcoming God. Because we see that Avram went to welcome guests versus talking to God. However, the question remains, he didn't do any mitzvah here. He himself, his intention was to go greet guests in spite of the fact that he was talking to God. Because he felt and he deemed that this is a greater mitzvah. However, bare knuckles we say, he didn't complete any kind of mitzvah here. If you keep me scored home, the Gemara and Kedushin, Pei Beis Aleph, is almost the same. 82, side 1. The Gemara tells us, Shkayim Avram Avinu, Kula Nitna. Avram Avinu, and so too the other two Aves, Yitzhak and Yaakov, completed the entire Teda before it was even given. 
quite a task. But we know that before the Torah was given, it was only a spiritual issue doing mitzvahs. There was no real doing a mitzvah. So therefore, because we know that there was a gzir, there was a decree that what's above remains above and what's below remains below. As we say, David, King David says in Tehillim, Hashemayim Shemayim Lashem Ve'aretz Nosan Levnei Adam. So this decree that heaven and earth don't mix was intact until Matan Teda. The fact that our forefathers completed mitzvahs Concepts of Shamayim, spirituality, fact is that the spirituality remained above. And therefore, their actions ultimately almost remain mundanely here in this world. However, when the Torah was given, this decree was nullified. And by dec- nullifying the decree, therefore, those things that were above came below, and those that were below came above, went above. And therefore, by doing a mitzvah on this world, one was able to accomplish spirituality, pure uh, holiness, and not only that, but to take something physical and turn it into spiritual. To take a piece of leather and make it to tefillin. To take a piece of, of wool and turn it into tzitzis. Now we can understand. When it came to the mitzvah of Achnasas Erechim, welcoming guests, in the time of our forefathers, before the tailor was given, before the decree was nullified, <coughs> it did not need to be a physical mitzvah. Because you did not accomplish spirituality in anything physical. And therefore, satisfying, sating their hunger or their thirst, or to concern yourselves with whatever, whatever the person was lacking, didn't actually have any effect. But the concept of the Midrash revealing the attribute of kindness 
and the fact that a person feels for another person in their heart, this was accomplished through these mitzvahs. When Avram saw these three Anoshim who looked like people, he thought they were people. He thought they were people in need of help. Of help. And therefore, from the goodness of his heart, ran towards them. Um, as you're writing, you're shaking my computer. And this was Kichem Ayim. In the heat of the day, on the third day after his bris, he still served them with the utmost respect and in the highest class of service. He did and completed the mitzvah of Haknasas Erchim as it would spiritually. And he did that in a physically mundane person's body. And therefore, there's no problem with the fact that they were only angels. Because <coughs> the mitzvah he completed. Even with angels, he was able to do this as he reached out in goodness, in kindness, to go help a fellow being. Avram Vina's goal was to spread the word of God. All creation should know that there's a God above and one and only God. At 99 years old, on the third day after his bris, he's sitting by the doorway of his tent, perhaps, just perhaps, there will be a passerby that will go by, I can give him food, I can give him drink, and I can have him say, thank and pray, the Misha'omar v'hoya ha'ilam. Keeping score at home, it's M'sech Seita Yud, at the end of Amaral of 10, the end of side 1, and on. Goes over to the other side. This conversation, this idea, this concept, that Avram sat there to just in case he can get another one more person to bless God. At 99 years old, three days after his bris milah. This, this is how the parasha starts. He's sitting there, Yeshev Pesach Ha'el Hayyim, in the heat of the day. Wow. And Rashi explains, he sat there to see, Lireisim Yesh Eivah V'Shav V'Yechisim V'Beisai. To see if there's anyone, any passerbys to take him to his house. This is a lesson to each and every one of us. Even someone who already feels that they accomplished, they reached out and they brought many of the, our Jewish brethren into the fold. They caused and brought about many balay tshuva. And they have many people that are now doing Teda and Mitzvahs and learning Teda, etc. He may never think, I did enough. And I'm now going to take a break.
But even after 99 years of age, of involvement in bringing creations closer to God, one needs to still think, perhaps there's this one more Jew that I can reach out to and that I can help and bring him closer to our Father in Heaven. The Almighty comes to visit Avram Avinu. Commentaries ask why. Why Avram had his bris three days ago did the Almighty wait three days to show up? Where was he the first three? First two days. If you're keeping score at home, there's a Gemara, Mesechnes Nedorim, Lamites Amid Beis, 39, side 2. And the Gemara tells us that visiting the sick, Natal Echad Meshishim Mechalye, takes away one sixtieth of the sickness. And even more than that, the Ramban writes, when the Almighty came to see how he was doing, in the vision of the Shekhinah was the healing of Brismila. Which means to say, that at this point, as soon as the Almighty showed up, he was totally healed. Although we know that the Pasuk tells us that Malach Rafal came to heal Avram Vino, his mission was only to bring out the fact that he was healed. He was healed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah. We know the Almighty Elikim is Gematria Hateva. The Almighty likes to run a world the world in an almost seemingly natural way. The Almighty doesn't like to impose miracles. The Almighty doesn't like to give off the air that the world runs on miracles because then there's no test for a person. A person doesn't have a question. There's no trials, no tribulations, no problems, no questions because I know that the Almighty miraculously is running the world and I rely on Him to take care of business. And therefore, you make any more noises there.
the entire completion of a mitzvah, when a person does a mitzvah, until the actual outcome of his doing the mitzvah, needs to be done naturally. Naturally and not miraculously. Even though many miracles have many trials, tribulations, and even pain, person cannot wave them away and let them happen miraculously. A miracle has to be done physically. And therefore the Almighty waited three days to visit Avram. Because the natural way is three days. It hurts the most, but that's when it's the healing is the most. And therefore the healing of, is three days of Ibn Ismila. So therefore he came only on the third day to show And then ultimately the Malach Rafael Michal brought the entire four about not brought it about, but brought it into fruition into the physical mundane eyes of the world. Avram Avinu was a tremendous Balnasidus Nefesh. As we see towards the end of the Parsha, the birth of his only son Yitzchak, or actually his son Yitzchak from Sarah, and the Almighty tells him, Kachna is Bincha, Shahavta is Yitzchak. Farshim tell us the commentary tell us why three expressions as bincha Avram said which one I have two Shirahavta I love them both finally the Almighty says it's Yitzchak and he takes him to sacrifice him on a sacrifice Tremendous abnegation involved. The story is told of a king that went hunting, and I've told the story before. A king that went hunting in the forest for wild boars. As he went hunting, it was a very, very bad day. They didn't find anything. Towards the end of the day, in the distance, a boar was running. Immediately the king abandoned all danger and sped off after his prey, leaving everyone behind. chased and chased and chased and shot and missed and shot and missed until he exhausted himself but much to his chagrin 
when he turned around, he realized he was all alone in a dark forest. Now the king used to wear, obviously, a royal coat. And you could see the king from a mile away. Now this, when he has guards, is not a problem. When he's alone, it's dangerous. Immediately took off his coat and turned it around inside out. From the lining, hopefully people will not notice. In case, God forbid, he comes across an enemy. <coughs> but another enemy confronted him that he could not protect himself by turning his coat inside out. And that was the element. It was a bitter, cold winter night. His hands, his feet were numb. It was freezing to death. In the distance, he sees a hut. And he prods his horse to bring him closer. And he gets to the hut and he looks in the window. And lo and behold, a Jewish woodcutter is sitting there with a book by the fire. The wife is sleeping. So he disembarks from the horse, ties it to a tree, and he knocks on the door. The Jew comes to the door and says, if you're a robber, I have nothing for you to steal. Don't bother. But otherwise, get in here because you're probably freezing to death quick. <laughs> no. King came in, incognito of course, not identifying himself. And the youth took the king and sat him down next to the fire. Gave him a nice shot of vodka. Brought him a little hot food. And told him, I don't think you're going out anywhere tonight. He made him a little straw bed near the fire and let the king sleep. Early morning the king rose. The king took out a gold coin to give to the Jew, to his host. He says, no, no, thank you, please. I had the pleasure of saving your life. Why would you do that? So, the king, still not identifying himself, thanked him very profusely and went off on his road back to the palace. A few hours later, there's a knock at the door in the Jew's house. He opens the door and there's an entourage from the royal palace. And the messenger reads the invitation the king inviting him to the royal palace. Please dress your best clothing. No. I don't know what this is all about. Sounds scary. But, he's invited, he's going. He has no choice. They're all standing outside of the royal carriage. 
topic of the day. And he gets in the carriage, not knowing what to think. And he comes to the palace, and they lead him into the chamber where the king is sitting on his throne with all his grandeurs, all his beauty, all his glory. And the king tells him, it's my Shabbos, tells him, it's my Oh, welcome, Zalman, whatever your name is. I heard wonderful things about you. I hear you're really God-fearing. I hear you're honest, you're straight, you're bright, compassionate. I want to hire you as one of my advisors. You'll have an interesting salary. You'll have a home here on my estate. You will lack nothing. You'll get a salary, a very high salary, something that you wouldn't even make in 10 years, you'll make every week. There's only one little problem. No Jews live on my estate. Hmm. But it's not, we can solve that. You just have to convert. And we'd love you, please, to convert so that we can welcome you onto the estate. <laughs> Zalman says, I'm flattered. I'm truly, truly flattered. I moved to the core. I can't tell you how impressed I am. What a wonderful, wonderful thought, and what a wonderful offer you're giving me. But, Your Majesty, please understand, I was born a Jew, I die a Jew. I do not convert. The king didn't take favor to the audacity, claps his hands, and out of nowhere these three big henchmen come. One is holding a stone, wood block, whatever. And the second one throws him down on top, his neck stretched out. And the third one has the axe. And they're holding his head down and about to chop his head off. And the king screams, how dare you? How dare you talk to me with such audacity? Do you know who you're talking to? I give you such an offer and not only are you refusing, you practically spit me in the face? Who do you think you are? <clears throat> I'm going to give you another chance. Because I like you, I heard good things about you. I will give you another chance. If you don't agree, you don't take back your words, you're going to become a head shorter. The man barely able to breathe with these big goons sitting there on top of his head calls out the words of Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Echad. And then 
king says, let him go. He's sitting there, he doesn't know what happened. He checks his neck, checks his head, it's still attached. He thought for sure it was over. And the king asks him to be stood up. He stands the yid up. And the king takes off his crown and his royal robe. Never before in the royal chambers did the king remove his crown. The royal robe. So do you recognize me, sir? The Jew's eyes are bogging out of his head. He was so shocked, his pay is fell out of his mouth. <laughs> and he says, you, you, you were in my house. I just took you in last night. You slept in my house. He says, yeah, I was. But you didn't take money. I offered you a gold coin. You refused. So I saw money has no value to you. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was a young boy in my father's palace, we had a Jewish tailor on the premises. And the Jewish tailor was very interesting. The way he looked after his children, the way he raised his children, where he talked to his children, taught his children. Every spare moment was all about his children. One day, I was visiting the tailor's house, because they had a child my age, and he told the story of your father, of the father Abraham. How he took his son to be brought as a sacrifice, because the Almighty told him to. He stood to gain nothing with this. Not only stood to gain nothing, he was going to destroy in one swell, one false swoop, felt swoop, his entire past, present, and future. If he would kill his son, his only son from Sarah Yimeno, who he waited till a hundred years to have, everyone that was following him because he was a holy man, a man of God, everyone that had faith in him, that understood that the words that he spoke were so righteous, would say, uh-oh, the guy's a flake. He's in Gansa, Michigan. It was only a cult. Now he snapped. And they would all walk away from everything he did. So his entire past would be destroyed. Present, he used to say, you kill your son, you go to jail. Future, he has no more son. So he was willing though, because the word of God no capital gain. Nothing in it for him. Nothing in it for his son. 
just that they are going to do the word of God. And this, said the tailor to his children, is what we strive to do. To even die for the name of God. Therefore, when I heard that you, I saw that you had no value for money, I wanted to reward you with something that you are worthy of. Something that you strive to be able to do. And therefore I brought you to this predicament, to the situation, where you were prepared to die for God. You now ascertain the highest possible level in your religion. Even though you didn't actually die. And this, my friend, is how I reward you for hosting me in your home and saving my life. Now, I would well imagine that he got some money to go also. But the bottom line is the concept of Mesiris Nefesh. As Rabbi Akiva said, as they were killing him, my entire life I waited for the moment that I would be able to say Shema Yisrael have on my lips the words of Shema Yisrael as I am being killed like Yilish Hashem and this is what he merited to at this moment so therefore in this parasha we meet two of our forefathers Avram and Yitzchak. As you said, equally devoted and dedicated to the Word of God. But their contribution, their service, their approach, shall we say, totally different one from the other. Both totally devoted, both totally ready to die for God, both spreading the word of God everywhere, but each in his own fashion. <coughs> Avram Avinu traveled. Not only did he stay and have his own Chabad house, he would travel. He went from town to town, Canaan, Chutzlaretz, anywhere it was, wherever his feet and camel took him, and spread the word of God and the beauty and the holiness of God throughout the world. And as we said before, we quoted the Gemara from Saita Yud on the bottom of Maralov. That the Pasuk Vayikra 
Shom b'shem Hashem Kel Elam. He called there in the name of God, the God of the world. He made call. Not just he called it, but he caused others to call as well. He put the words of thank God, of Baruch Hashem, of blessed is Hashem, on the mouth, on the lips of everyone. How? By welcoming guests, bringing them in, and having them enjoy a phenomenal repast, and then asking them simply, thank God. And he was Isha Chesed. He wanted to give to help the fellow person. Yitzchak, on the other hand, who never left the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael, his attribute was Givura, strength. A total contradiction to Chesed. His goal to bring up from the lowest of low to have to up. Whereas Chesed brings from above down below. And we learn about this when it comes to the digging of the wells as well. Yitzchak hit water from the deepest depths of the, of the ground. And he brought the water to surface. He didn't bring it from another source. He brought it from the actual source of its own. He took away the stones, the rocks, the, the whatever it was, any layers that needed to be dug up until he reached the water. To show you that every place has a source of water. Mayim Chaim. Avram, on the other hand, he brought holiness into the world. Where Yitzchak revealed the holiness which is in the world itself. He taught people how to reach to their own levels. Through their thoughts, through their dedicate, through their meditations, etc. Bottom line: our forefathers, excuse me, set a path for each and every one of us. A lesson how we have to behave and act.
From Avram we learn how to bring into the physical world holiness, the light of Teda and Mitzvah. You meet a Jew that still doesn't know about Teda, about the light of Teda, the greatness of Mitzvah. You need to devote yourself to him. Teach him, reveal to him the true godliness. And that's not enough. We need to learn from Yitzchak. Digging up the wells. To dig and to bring out what's hidden within each and every Jew. It's not enough just to teach him. He has to know how to reveal within himself his own holy sparks so that he himself can then be a lamplighter on his own. Yitzhak tells us that there are Jews that look like they're hopeless, that they have no connection with Judaism, God forbid. And he says that you need to tell this person not just repent, improve yourself. You need to tell the person to do soul searching. Dig deep down within yourself and you will see the great sources that you have. Many stories of people that had no affiliation with Judaism whatsoever all their lives. When push came to shove, they died as Jews. So the person comes and says, I dug already. I dug once, I dug twice. I found nothing. I didn't manage to reveal anything. We therefore turn back to Yitzchak. He dug and he never gave up. And when the Plishtim closed up the wells of his father, he redug them. And ultimately we will have the Rechavis, which is Hirechiv Lanu, the Almighty's widening for us. So we know that Avram Avinu dug up ditches, and the Plishtim came along and stuffed them up again. And then Yitzchak redug them. What is going on here? And not only do we know this story, the Torah tells it to us. The Zaya says, Tlossin in the Kaimu Besadusa, the Sada. Three things stand as testimony. Valin Inun, they are Be'er Yitzchak, the well of Yitzchak, Gero, the raffle that was done by the Sela Zazel, Rav Neshav Yeshua, and the stone of Yeshua that he established with the 70 languages. These three things bear testimony. Then Isaiah says, Be'er Yitzchak Menelon, how do we know Be'er Yitzchak bears testimony? The Chesiv says in the Pesach, in our parasha, Ba'avortiyeh li le'eda. It should be for me, Eida, Eida, making reference to not only the nation, 
but as a testimony. Pasuk Bavar Tiyelileida is talking about the Be'er from Avram that he dug up. But yet, Zayah calls it Be'er Yitzchak. What happened here? The Ramaz, an explanation, a commentary on the Zayah, says, he brings up this question, Bavar Tiyelileida, and Avram Vina said, this Be'er that I'm digging up, this is a Be'er of Yitzchak. Simple explanation. And therefore it's called Be'er Yitzchak, even though Avram didn't dug it up. But it makes no sense. Avram dug it, and he's calling it Yitzchak's. He's naming it after his son. Leblevik the Rebbe's father wrote a beer on Zaya. Long story of how he got both in Yekaterinoslav, how he wrote, and how he wrote when he was in Kazakhstan, in Almata, how what his wife did in order to make sure that he was able to write, how she made him the ink and he got the parchment, the paper, everything. There wasn't enough paper, so he would write it in his Zaya. In the Zaya that he had, he would write it in the in the borders, his explanation on Zaya. And he writes on this very topic. He we dedicate this bear to Yitzchak. This is what it says by Avram, because when Avram dug it up, the Plishtim closed it, and when Avram passed away, Yitzchak dug it up from new. It says in the positive, he returned and he dug it up again. And therefore he called them Shemes, Kishemes, Hashakar, Alain Aviv. He called all the, the wells, all the ditches that his father dug up. And the Plishtim had closed, as he redug them, he gave them the same name that his father had given them. And then the Blavik finishes off and see what it says in Tehreir, the beginning of Pasha's tell us about this, and therefore it was given to Yitzchak's name. This contradicts what we said before the Ramaz said. According to the Ramaz, the ditch that Avram dug, he called it Be'er Yitzchak. The main point, it's Yitzchak's Be'er. The digging was Avram, but the Be'er was Yitzchak's. But according to the Blavik, comes out just the opposite. It was Be'er Avram. But since Yitzchak redug it, 
Pasuk attributes it to him. The truth is, they both fit. They both fit into the logic explanation of what happened here. That he dug it and he dug it. What is the actual difference between the two? Why is Ablevik explained instead of saying what Ramaz says? Which is brought down in so many Sifrik Siddhas. But we look at what the footnote I believe it says to look into, which is in Teda Er, the beginning of Pasha's Tildes. In Teda Er, explains the Alter Rebbe that the service of Avram was Kavachesed, like we spoke before. I'm Shachem being down from above to the below. That his and his idea, his old concept, his service. Excuse me. The concept of service of Yitzchak was Gvura, which is bringing from the Mat to the Mat, as we just explained before, the approaches that the two had, how they approached people, how they got people to follow in their ways and their words, and we know ultimately it says Avram Oyhavai, he's my beloved. But Yitzchak it says a Pachad Yitzchak, the fear of Yitzchak. Because Ava comes from Chesed and Yira comes from Gvura. Excuse me, love comes from kindness and fear comes from the strength. So according to the way that they served God, the differences, the Alter Rebbe explains over there that the reason why the Be'edis that Avram dug up were stuffed because the Plishtim were able to find the opposite of Kedusha, the opposite of holiness, of the same source, of the concept of Chesed. Nashayin came with Gvura, you couldn't do that. And therefore, when Yitzchak dug up the bear, it was untouchable. Because that no longer had this concept that no longer had this opening for them to be able to devote themselves to. So although Yitzchak redug them, and they were originally originating from Avram, but the service of Ava and Simcha which Avram had presented... And the concept, the, the the mission, the life mission of Yitzchak's, which was done through fear and Kabbalah sale, this holds and gives existence to the Ava and Simcha. And that's why Reb Levik explains Be'er Yitzchok is not that it's actually Yitzchok's like the Ramaz says 
But it's Avram's. But why Yachasuli Yitzchak? Why was it given to, devoted to, and dedicated to Yitzchak? Because the service of Avram's Aveda and the Aveda of Yitzchak, Yitzchak sought to solidify Avram's actual word, word and mission in this world. What does it have to do with us? The mission of each and every person, each and every Jew, needs to be done by and bitl. Self-nullification and fear of God. But, it needs to have the highest level of simcha. It needs to be done through simcha. We need to fear we need to be nullif- self-nullification, but the simcha. And therefore what the Al-Rebbe explains in Tehreh, that through digging of Yitzchak, it was like nifsak eid niviyasam, it could no longer be nullified, it can no longer be put a stop to, it can no longer be refilled. We know therefore that the Kav of Yitzchak, the Kav Akvura, which through this was the Kim, through this remained the existence of Avram's Beiris, the Avram's Aveda of Ava and Simcha. Ava and Simcha. So this tells us therefore that the Kav of, Aveda, of Ava, the Kav of Simcha, like the Zayah says, there is Pulkana, Kibbukana, Derechimusa, the only way that they can continue, they can be perpetuated, they continue to exist, first we need to present it with Yira in Kabbalah Hashemayim. If a person does it frivolously, the person doesn't have the ultimate base, the ultimate foundation that the person would need for this. And since this Shabbos, read about the Akedah Yitzchok. As we said, this is one of the miracles that happens to the Almighty. The fact that he didn't let him kill Yitzchok. Because even the way it is now, the way it stands now, Yitzchok remains alive. And he didn't get killed. He wasn't slaughtered at the altar. And yet, we always say, remember, remember, remember what happened to Yitzchok the sacrifice of Yitzchak, the sacrifice of Avram, etc. So what would have happened if he would have killed him? We'd never let God live it down. <coughs> so therefore, we go with this serious nefesh, <coughs> with this abnegation, this devotion, this dedication, and we look forward, we anticipate to live up to as we're going to read by Mincha a life, a true life where the 100th year, the 20th year the 7th year, were all the same and equal and where we merit to Chaim Nitzchim, to life of perpetual life in the times of Mashiach Tzitkenu and this very Shabbos 
go to Yerushalayim, be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, Shabbat Shalom to all.